Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome aboard. So today we're talking to Kevin Miller and the title of Kevin's, let me back up, Kevin's title is so long it needs to be in a wagon. Fire Protection Operations Manager for the West. Fire Protection Development Operations Manager for the West. I but suck. yes, it's all good. For ADT Commercial. Yay. <laughs> okay, so and it's you said basically it's a it's a business development. My job is to solely go around to our offices in the West Coast. I have 14 of them and help them build their sprinkler division and their fire alarm division. So I just go around and figure out what they're lacking in their current structures and kind of help them build that up to the next level where we're getting the company. So you work out of Portland? I or? work I work 100% remote. So I'm traveling no I'm traveling every other week to another city. I just got back from a 5 week straight traveling around just because <laughs> I took 5 weeks off personal time. So No kidding. <laughs> yeah, so God. So that's kind of nice. But where do you, I mean, where, what's your home base? Uh, we're actually in the process of moving to Bend, Oregon right now. Ah, Bend. Yeah, yes. So I love Bend. My wife's from there, so she decided Examiner. she wanted to go back. So. Yeah. I don't blame her. Yeah. If yeah. I could work remote, I'd work in Bend. Yeah. Honest well, to God. Less it, rain. And they got the nice airport there the now nice in airport. Redmond, yeah. so I can go Things anywhere. I already checked anywhere? it. I already <laughs> checked it. Flights are good. Especially if you're, I mean, so, so how long you been in the, in the industry total? So I started off in the industry in 1996 with mm -hmm. Grinnell as their shop guy, actually. No kidding. Yep, I did. And so in the lay down yard type thing or? Uh, no, this was back way back when Grinnell still owned Anvil Grinnell off a of yawn. Mm -hmm. So we were. Oh, 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 wow. Way, wow. way. Yeah, exactly. That's when it was all one big building the long, right in there. In a way, way long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how. God, old that was. I remember that because I was working for Simplex at that point. Yep. Before they had merged. Okay. So kids, Grinnell had only been in business for about a gajillion years and was, I think, the first sprinkler company or one of the first couple of sprinkler companies right in there. So they were, Mr. Grinnell invented and patented the first sprinkler head, but they Got were it. not the first sprinkler company, but they get credit for that because he patented the first sprinkler yeah. head way back when. They they drilled that into us as, they? oh yeah, they, they made sure that <laughs> was... We were them. We were we first. Were the ones. Yes. So. Honestly, I, I don't I don't think I've I've worked on so many Grinnell systems, dry pie valves and such that I mean they go back to the to, to I worked on stuff back to the forties and thought, holy cow. I mean, I, I used to do Warehouser down in Longview and they had oh, yeah. sixty four dry systems out there. <laughs> 55 of those were the good old Grinnell E2s with the yes, face plates, 82 yes. pounds in it. Yeah, it takes two guys to move and reset and put back together. So. Kids, these are real systems. These were, these were, were. These are men's systems. These, these are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the only thing I knew was any rougher were some of those older star ones, but they had a big plate on the front of them. As, yep. And those are just as, just. Matter of fact, I just saw when I was working for uh, PSI, we were at a place and and there was a an actuator that had a, a sprinkler system in it. I'm um, the sprinkler system it had a a, a bulb, a, basically a sprinkler. Oh, yep. And I know you know what that is. I first time I've ever seen one in my life. And I went, what the hell is? And it was it was still in use. It was still at 
uh, Bruce Pack, I think is where I saw it. Well, do you remember the old exhausters on dry yeah, systems yeah. where they had that remote exhauster way back where you're like, what is that giant red thing on the wall? Hang on, why has it got a sprinkler pipe going to it? Am I supposed to know what this is? I worked on one system with an exhauster okay. and it was right off of Powell. It was 130th and, well, no, not even that far out. It's uh, fantastic. Okay. And that had the only exhauster I'd ever seen and worked on in my life. It was a four inch system and it tripped and flooded in like 27 seconds. It was, and it's tremendously long. Oh yeah. And so, so kids, an exhauster is something that senses a loss of pressure, opens up a big orifice at the end of the pipe to let all the air pressure out so that the water column just flies through the pipe. And then when it hits it, it slams shut and then closes down to a really small orifice. You hope that it slams shut. It slams shut. The older ones, after a while, they didn't slam they shut didn't, so much. They didn't. They kind of took them out of the industry, I think, because they just didn't work reliably. Well, they kind of got replaced with the accelerators. When yeah. we started going to the accelerator on the dry pipe systems, then we the, the need for an exhauster really didn't. Uh, feasible as for itself anymore. Plus, oh, I did not know that. Okay. Plus, they changed the rules on dry systems. You can only have so many gallons per each dry system now, so that helped limit that down so to have to put more dry pipe valves in. And, yeah, yeah, and then when we started calculating the systems, it changed the whole world and the whole game, and we don't have to schedule pipes, Got so it. it made a Got huge it. difference. So. See, so that part of the industry, I I never knew. So I never did any design work or installation work. I was just a test and inspect monkey on sprinkler systems, and I would do like minor repairs. But I was never the, I was never going to be a, you know, I, I I could hold my own on testing them, tripping them, right. knowing what was right and what was wrong, and I could do. Oh, you didn't you didn't drain this thing out, so it broke on you, you jerk. Go. Repipe that inspector's oh, test. And, you're that and guy. I, I always that had to guy. go at three in the morning to go fix the <laughs> yeah. broken pipe. They sent me out. If I if I messed up, I was the guy who went out and fixed it. So uh, I was like, oh, okay. Well, we won't make this idiotic mistake twice. So not draining something low. And I did it at the the rebuilding center up in North Portland. That was the first one I screwed up on. And uh, yeah, that was not fun. Oh, I mean, if we want to go with the screw-ups, I mean, you, I hope you guys got time on your hands. Yeah, time. We got plenty of time. I, I've done a lot of stuff in this industry. <laughs> you didn't flood his uh, freezer, though. No, but I did go out to Othello, Washington, to the potato factory. It was 107 outside, and we were inside a flash freezer, negative 30, Ooh. taking the pipe out. Outside, landing on the ground, let it thaw in. Next day, coming back, putting it back in, putting it back up, taking the pipe out because somebody let the freezer. Yes, that yep. is, that is. I did a Maricold one time. I was working for Western mm -hmm. and they had PIVs and not, you're not control valves and they were the baby blue CSC valves. Oh. <laughs> Which trip if you look at them sternly yep. and I was like, there is no way I'm doing this without a fitter. No way. <laughs> I was like, I said, and, and you know, and the simple way to handle that it was to put a valve above the dry pipe valve so you could just shut the damn valve. But Well, yes, but, that right? is, yes yeah, oh no, no, that's awesome. It, it's the code change, you know, from right. when at first it was like, eh, whatever, it's a freezer, you know, it's water, you know, then they get into everything yeah. and then the code changes and now that's actually part of the code. So where you, which, on a freezer, you need to have that Which valve. is a beautiful thing. I saw them add that to Facebook when I was working there and they were they just re-added all those valves above those dry pipe, those DDX valves so that, no. you know, you could then trip the full thing and mm -hmm. see it do its action and not flood that. I'm thinking, why did we just come up with this in the 2000s? What the hell were they thinking? the hell were you thinking in, in you know all those years 
Well, back then it was, we got to make sure the valve fully operates and works right. as it needs to be. And we have no other way of doing it because we don't know how much pipe's actually out there because we haven't calculated it yet. So, uh, yeah, just put water in there and we'll tell you what happens. Could be one gallon, could be a million gallons. Yep. We just don't know. So, well, I'm glad we have that in common. So you worked for Grinnell when it was, before it was merged yes. with, with Simplex and it did the whole Simplex Grinnell <laughs> smash the two words together. Yes, I, I well, so in 90, well, like I said, 96, 97, I started in the industry. 2000, I got my journeyman's license. Mm -hmm. I fast-tracked through the whole program just because I'm very mechanically inclined. Mm -hmm. So, and then we needed fitters back then because of the, not too many people know about the union dispute with Grinnell back then. I if knew you remember it, yeah. I, yes, it was not, it was not pretty. It, it locked was, the union out. It, it was not pretty, and, right? but they, they also lost a lot of fitters and had sure to, did. a lot of people had to become fitters really fast back yeah. then. So yeah. I was on that track. So, and then just kind of went through everything and helped do all the mergers with Grinnell and Simplex. I actually helped move the Simplex office off of Nimbus mm -hmm. to the, which office Ro did you guys? Rosewood? Yes, the Rosewood office yeah. to, to, the, to the it, mansion. I helped moved it from Bancroft to Nimbus. Okay. <laughs> so I was involved in that okay. debacle. Right. Ugh. That was been, they were just simplex. And they were still privately owned at that point. They right. were owned by the grandson and before they ever, whatever, did whatever the hell I did. But see, I was old school Grinnell. I was like, why are we having to be simplex Grinnell? We, yeah. we, Grinnell bought simplex. Huh? Come on. So We just uh, called it Grimplex and went on with our lives. Yeah, well, I, mean, I was on the other side. So <laughs> <laughs> we were bitter pipe fitters, remember? Well, so I remember uh, like like Tony Cerruti was probably one of my favorite guys because I thought he was hilarious. And when I worked to the Hill, because mm -hmm. I, I left simplex and went to OHSU, right. Tony came up and was still testing with, with Kent Anderson and all that. And I knew him. And, yep. And then I remember Rich because I remember working with him at Shriners and I knew him, but I didn't really know of him. I knew that he had this great invention that he was going to market, make a million dollars on. And he just showed it to me. Can we talk about it? I guess we can talk yeah, about well, it. Yeah, I've never seen it out in the market. Have you? Me, no, no, well, I, have, then, I, I, guess, I have not. Then I guess we can talk about it. So <laughs> He had this thing. He goes, you should check this out. And it was a water flow switch with an LED on the top to tell you when it was an alarm. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. I think. So it was kind of funny. So we had to come up, this was a kind of a company collaboration at that time to mm -hmm. figure out something. We were doing one of the largest Intergen systems out in Tycom, okay. out so, in Beaverton. So let's, Intergen is a fire suppression agent. Yes. Okay. So there's 181 bottles of Intergen. Dang. Yes. Dang. <laughs> nine, <laughs> nine five inch selector valves, all flange by flange before they had the grooves. But we had to figure out a way of testing everything mm -hmm. on the pre-action systems, the flow switches, and all that kind of stuff without actually tripping those systems and the VESDAs yeah. and everything yeah. to make yeah. sure everything worked. Well, one of the guys is like, use LEDs. Yeah. So we're like, Yeah, that's not oh, a bad idea. Okay. So then we started putting drilling little holes in our flow switches and we put LEDs in the corners of a couple of the flow switches Yeah, for testing purposes because the fire marshal made us take them out after the fact because they oh, were yeah. ULFM approved. Because they're not ULFM approved. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we had to remove those. But then we just started using them, just wiring them in series inside of the room, inside of a trough that no one can see. We could take the trough off and all of the LEDs were labeled and we could see them for doing all of our testing. That's brilliant. We could just... Un unwire all of the solenoids yeah, yeah. and then there we go oh yep go. it triggered because there's the power there's the power yeah. there's the power the right ones are going because they had to have 
five or six different selector valves go for the big battery room and so yeah so you've got a hell of a mind for testing a spec yes so i mean so so you start off working your way in the yard well in the in the shop yep become a fitter yep so now you're fitting and installing yep and then you're also test and inspecting because that was a huge part of it or no no so my test and inspection didn't come later in my career so i got a nice unique career because i got sucked in by dave smith under his wings and he was doing all the special hazards so we were doing all of the pre-action all the deluge all the foam systems all the cool stuff yeah so and all the big warehouses and all the hangers. Yeah, so, oh, I was going to say the Pancorp hangers, right? Yeah, yeah the Pancorp hangers. That was that was the most the, the fitter who installed that. That's was Dave, that, Dave was, Smith. That was Dave. Okay, yep. so he gave me the nickel tour of that. Yep. Because he was out there one time. This is when Evergreen still had all their aircraft oh, in yeah. the south hangar. And the f- north one was empty. Yep. And then Marty Midoff <laughs> tripped it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I never saw anything as funny as him explaining what he had done wrong on that. But uh-huh. yeah, so this the these the, the Pam Corp hanger Pam is it Pam Corp was that the name of that? It, it was. Now it's owned by Boeing. 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 Boeing bought it. Now they use it for painting their planes. Which they fly, would make sense. They fly the planes in from Seattle, fly them into the main hangar, paint them, put them into the other hangar, and bake them. Oh, 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 that so makes sense. Boeing owns both hangars now. So. When I was there, the uh, Evergreen had all their aircraft in mm-hmm. the South Hangar, and then Dave explained the 36-inch header because it, what it was was he said there was a 480,000-gallon reserve pond yep. that had all the all the water, mm-hmm. three turbine pumps that would turn on and pump the water into the headers, three 3,000 horsepower vertical turbine pumps. Yeah, which moved like 7,500 GPM or something like uh, that. They were they were rated above their a monsters. Ma- they were massive, and I have a I have a phobia of propellers and stuff like that. Like even though I was a Navy guy, I still have that phobia. And I looked and saw like you could see part of the tour and i was just like this is i could not be here when these things ran i would just i would crap my pants it was unreal when they fired off because oh, we could fire them because i did many times out there with mm-hmm. david a lot of work we could fire one and two and then the third is the backup but we could set it to fire one two and three within 10 seconds of each other Damn. and it's just like and they go zero to three thousand rpms in two seconds full <sighs> board just blowing black smoke and it to me i mean i'm a gearhead it's crazy. awesome that is crazy it's it was crazy he said it would drain it in 10 minutes that's yep. how fast that's how much water it moved there was three separate 12 inch lead-ins from mm-hmm. the city filling that pond and they were oh, they, I didn't it, know it, that. yeah it was never going to keep up but they came oh. in from all different three different directions <laughs> off of three different mains from the city for that pond that's crazy yeah well, then he told me that, that once these things kick on, then there's the electric pump that has the, the the foam. Yep. And the electric pump was bigger than any pump I'd seen in a high-rise yet. It was it was massive. Like, the pump itself was big. The motor was big. The pump was big. He said it was like a 12,000, th- but I, I could be wrong on that. I think it was a 6,000 GPM 6, pump 000. on the 20,000-gallon, two 10,000-gallon <laughs> foam tanks. Those clear, big, yeah. plastic tanks. Yeah. There's two 10,000-gallon foam tanks in there. Damn. So, I mean, Yeah. It was fun filling those things with 55 gallon barrels. So, well, I remember when I was on call for Simplex one night, I got a call and the Daimler guys were out there photographing. Mm-hmm. And they would, that was a big secret thing. I'd bring the truck out, put it in the hangar. So they'd set the whole system off by accident because their strobes would trip the IR, the IR sensors. Yep. And they had it all bypassed, so something wasn't quite right on it. But what it kicked on were the first 
set of sprinklers that control the doors. I guess the doors went first and the monitors and yes. the sprinklers progressively work towards the middle of the hangar. So he calls me up and he's like, I got this problem. You can hear the, the, you know, the horn strobes going off. <laughs> I can't get this thing to goes on. I said, hit signal silence. Oh, thank you. So then he's explaining what's going on, and I'm like, well, I can't help you with the sprinkler half of the house. He goes, no, no, we got a guy to handle that. We just can't get these things to shut up. I was like, okay, click. Going back to sleep now. But yeah, that was a massive system. Yeah, I remember testing those UVIR detectors many different times on those foam cannons and the overheads. And That's crazy. I mean, they were designed for, you have a giant plane in there for you to protect yeah. under the wings. That's what those were for. So. Oh, yeah. so it did its job, right? I mean. Yeah, yeah, it was basically for under the wing protection. So, so did Grinnell install the system out at Evergreen too? The so I actually, at Evergreen <laughs> Aviations, out uh -huh. of Spruce Goose, yeah. myself and Dave did that hangar nice. out there. So That's that was, a beautiful, you guys did a beautiful job on that, man. That is a, that is a work of art. It was system. an awesome project. I'm also, to my knowledge, still the only person in history to cut a hole inside that plane because I had yeah. to run a three-inch main up inside the plane to feed all the heads in the plane, yeah. and I had to cut a hole. I but, guarantee oh, you're right because it, it because the guy who because Keller, when he installed this the fire alarm system, oh Dak, they, <laughs> oh, Dak. we should have him on the show. <laughs> yeah, he told me Dave said he had to put in popsicle sticks because I, when I was worked for Western, we went in there okay and we could see it. And uh -huh. I and he, and he worked there at the time. He goes, you got to go look at how we put the the wiring in because we couldn't put any staples, no glue, no no nothing. He goes, so we used popsicle sticks across inside the in the struts. Yep, yeah. inside the. So for me to down the tail because that plane is massive yeah. inside. So down the tail on the inside, we used attic sprinkler heads every four feet because okay. they go twenty feet each direction okay. and covered all of the. Oh, so they like shoot out. They, they shoot, shoot out the like sides, bow, like right? Yes, mm -hmm. they shoot out the sides. So in order for, but to hang those. I'm on an extension ladder because I can't have a lift inside there, leaning against balsa wood ribs that were built who knows by who and then glued up there. And I'm like, I got to hang pipe up here. And then we came up with these clamps to hang it. So we're clamping around the wood balsa wood oh. and hanging our pipe from that. So there's a hanger every six feet because we were afraid of it. Yeah. So, yeah. But it took a long time to hang that tail. I think I was doing that tail for almost two weeks Dang. and it was only 100, 150 feet of pipe. Dang. But because I was so afraid and going up and down. But you cut a hole in the goose to put that pipe in. Down in the down in the, the lower timer, section. Man. Yeah, so I've, I've done some cool projects in my career. It's been a blessed career for that yeah. kind of stuff. Well, they, when, uh, when we lit that pump off, we had to call the city of McMinnville and say, often we're gonna light this thing off because it sucks the reservoir down. I got a great Go story. So at the time, the fire marshal out there, no names being used for this, but when we were testing the pump, we were like, hey, we can only test it for this long. And then we were told, no, do it for this long. And we're like, no, it's not gonna work. And then we're starting to get down. We're at 20, we're at 18, we're at 16, we're at 15. We're like, hey, we can't do any more. We can't do any more. We're at, we're at 10. We gotta stop. We got, you haven't done, ran it long enough to get enough water out to make sure it's flushed. And yeah, it was oh. it was an ordeal and a half doing that. So but, I'm surprised it didn't collapse pipe. Honest uh, to God, we I've never seen something come out like that. That I, was so. It was like that. It was so much water oh, when I, that thing came out. I I just stood back and went, 
that's just impressive. That's just an impressive amount of water. So what we're talking about is this in a, the fire pump test, they blew it out of a nozzle out of the back of the building into like a kind of a yard that they have back yeah, there. A big delta nozzle. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And uh, the guy from Western lit this thing off. The fitter from Western lit it off. And we just stood out there and just went, wow. And the guy goes, yeah, we literally have to do this in very short order because we were we are draining the reservoir when we do this. Yep. Like that's how that's how much water we're sucking in. <laughs> uh, but back in the day, here's a name for you, Dave Wilbers. Oh, I heard the name, but I don't know. Who he was the lead engineer at the time on the project okay. four out there, and so him and uh, fire marshal went lots and lots of rounds because we were told we had X amount of water, and we had W amount of water. So <laughs> we, we ran out of water way faster than what the systems were designed for. That's so crazy. That the city actually ended up having to bring another lead out to the building and that kind of stuff to meet the minimum requirements that we needed for that pump. So is there any the tank out there? Is, there? is there a tank out there to hold it? It just sucks it straight out of it, the It's water? Just, just straight out of the city because it's wow. a, the main the main water feed uh -huh. from the tower is right there on the highway. Okay. So we were tapping right off of it yeah. before the city. You don't, you don't it was, it was before the city. Yeah. So we were first people getting water, right? <laughs> the people on the far end of McMillan were like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> I got no water coming out of my tap here. So luckily different hose, different lines, but yes. So, <laughs> so fun. But yeah. So. Well, uh, but putting out, I mean, dealing with, because some of that stuff is all magnesium. Some of those aircraft are magnesium. Well, not some of them all, man. Magnesium in it and aluminum. I mean, I can't imagine that the, the criteria, what the hell do you do with the sprinkler system on magnesium? I mean, you can't. Well, you, I mean, you couldn't, I can see where the spruce goose needs it because it's, you know, wood. And well, what's a really cool thing that no one really notices or not. So when you go in there uh -huh. and you look at the, there's an overhead sprinkler system inside the plane. There's a spring, there's three sprinkler systems because we broke it into three sections, okay. but on the floor. I saw the ones underneath okay, the wings. So, well, that are on the floor. Yeah. That so are those like they have little ball bearings. To... So those are off of an aircraft carrier, off the deck of an aircraft carrier. No. That's what those sprinkler heads were designed for. No. They, they pop up and make a mushroom spray pattern. But, for water washdown. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you also look up on the mezzanine in the corner of the mezzanine under the tip of the wing, okay. there is a piece of six inch pipe fed from underneath that looks like a, would they decorated as a missile, but it has four sprinkler heads off of it okay. facing underneath the wing on both sides. Wow. So one side's the bathroom. It would be to the left if you're mm -hmm. looking at the front of the plane. The other side's the mezzanine for the store. And yeah. And I'll then, look at that. Yeah. So there, there, there's a cool little pipe there that we had to figure it out just because the shadow was so much greater than what we anticipated for the wings. And the shadow was the area that the sprinklers don't cover. Right. So from the overhead. Yeah. Because there's just so massive so what do you do on the buildings like what do you do on the equipment that is like primarily magnesium do they just put sprinkler systems i mean is the whole thing just cover the sprinkler system even if it is magnesium and just let it go or like how because i don't know what to what you do so when, we, when the design for the building was first done uh -huh. it was for the main plane and say i think it was six planes and two helicopters well and then they added the SR-71, right. and they added the B-2 in there, and the B-2 is a fully operational plane. I know that because I got to take a ride in it. No way. Yeah, Del, Del Smith came out, the owner of Evergreen at the time, Yeah. and he let us he took us up in groups, so I got to ride in the B-17 and the P-38 Mustang So while we are on the project. Cause oh, I was, and he fed us, my hero. He, he fed us lunch. Del fed us lunch <laughs> once a month out there, too. 
So you flew in a P thirty eight. Yep. And that P thirty eight. That's that, in the, I, yeah. Because when I saw when I went to the hangars when I was working on the system, I only worked there once. They had just bought that P thirty eight, and there was a Navy mechanic up there working on it, a Navy aviation guy. And uh, I said, "Wow!" I said, "This is a, a." I says, "You just is this new?" Or he goes, "Yeah, we just bought it or whatever, leased it for like twenty mil." And I'm and he's walking around on it, and I said, "So." I said, wow, that's a lot. And he goes, it's got working superchargers. This is one of the very few P-38s with working superchargers that, because these things are high failure items. And I said, I didn't know that. And he goes, so he goes, we just got it. And now I'm going through it and making sure that it's flyable. <laughs> that's the, incredible. You flew on that thing, man. The, the amount of planes and mechanics and the stories that all the mechanics had coming mm -hmm. in and out of there was amazing. I mean... Are you an airplane buff? Not particularly, uh. but <laughs> I mean, doing that, I mean, I got to sit in where one of those big Rolls-Royce engines were yeah. before they put it back into the plane on the wings. I got to sit in the hole and I got some cool pictures and crawling down to the tip of the wings, walking on the top of the plane from the nose oh to the tail, God. you know. And at the time, my one of my friends, who was also my doctor, but he was a Navy pilot, mm -hmm. I was telling him about that, and he goes, I will, whatever you need, let me know. And so I ended up taking him out there as a That's consultant the at the time. I, I would totally right? do that, too. And, and I would so, totally do that. Yeah, come on in. Yeah, so, and then Dave was okay with it because he was a consultant. So he came out and he took all kinds of, and he was telling us all kinds of different stuff of what some of the cables were and why they were doing stuff. And he sat up in the cockpit up there and played with all the levers and everything for hours. That is cool. I was like, okay, I got to go back to actually working. I know that you you don't have to, but you know, so. Get up, come over here and consult for a minute. Yeah. Hand me that piece of pipe. Yeah. So. Uh, I went, my whole, my only claim to fame was I grew up in Southern California. I grew up in, in, uh, in San Diego County, all over <laughs> it. And uh, when my dad was flying out of Palomar Airport, which is up in Carlsbad, there was one of the Corsairs, which is the, the mm -hmm. gull-winged World War II fighter, uh, the guy who had one of these that he'd restored and he flew it out of Palomar. And it was one that they filmed Bob Bob Black Sheep with. So he, they used it in Hollywood all the time. And he did air shows and stuff. So he was up there, my dad was out on a flight with this instructor and I couldn't fly with him for some reason. And so he was up there waxing the canopy and I just stood there with my biggest doe eyes I could get staring at this guy until he said, get up here <laughs> so I could sit in the seat of this F4 and I was 13 or something you know and you could smell it like it has that distinctive odor that all those aircraft oh, have yeah. and I couldn't even see over the, I couldn't see the the top of the dash was still a like I could not see over the, the dash I had to sit up on my knees just to look out the gun sight to see over the front of the plane i have no idea how these guys could fly those things because when it's sitting tail back you can't see squat yep. you have to pull the canopy back and stick your head out you can't see anything well i mean i'm six two and i was 200 pounds back then and he goes hey you want to crawl into the belly i was like <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so yeah that was a i should have probably done that while the plane was not moving up in the air <laughs> but i did sit in it while we landed and that was 
one of the coolest things Damn. ever and freakiest because you're that close to that ground rushing by you. Oh yeah. That is a whole new experience of, yeah, I've been fast on a bike, but that was crazy. That is, that is, yeah, yeah. You're, that is, I'm just thinking about that. I, I flew so many hours with my dad while he was trying to get his license mm -hmm. that I had no desire to fly a plane. I love them. I love looking at them. I love they're cool. I have no desire to fly one. I want a helicopter. I could see that. I, I could see a helicopter. But planes just like I just I love them. I'm totally into them. But flying one, I I do not have the stones to do what those guys do, and I don't want to learn them. I don't. <laughs> I just don't have it. And especially, especially the because uh, I've my grandfather built these things in World War Two. He he, you know. So I was raised around them. Uh, and so I've read just dozens of books on you know, aviators and fire you know fight you know fighting and oh mm -hmm. God no I nah nah yeah. I'll read about it I'll watch it on TV I'll I'll but I don't want to there's I I honestly am absolutely astounded that those pilots could fly like P-51s and P-47s and Messerschmitt ME 109s and and walk out of those things and not just just have pissed themselves i honest to god i don't know how the hell they did it that would it would just scare me from beginning to end <laughs> so i got the uh experience to go down to klamath falls and work down there at the national guard nice this was back in 2001 when uh the new dinosaur plane was coming online i have to call it that because i was supposed to uh back then so they were doing the f-22 raptors mm -hmm. So they were building the flight simulators. So I oh, did the wow. build. I did the building where the flight simulator was located, down there, and you know we're doing all the sprinklers, and we're the only ones in there when doing the final testing. Mm -hmm. They got all everything and putting all the discussions on, and the guy goes, "Well, you've been here this time. You want to fly it?" And I'm oh, like, "Absolutely." What do you mean? He goes, "Well, you can, you can fly it, but you can't do anything. But you can like try to run away from the other planes. But I can't let you have any guns or anything like that." And I was like, "Okay, let me do it." <laughs> That was the most intense, crazy video game because it's full on. Yeah. It, it rotates, it flips, it goes sideways. It. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and you're seeing it. So it's in sense, it, it's your mind. It's as real as it can be. I, I got out of it woozy <laughs> and I puked all over the floor right there. And the guy's like, oh, so you went for the full experience. That's great. <laughs> I was, and I was still in the military. I was in Pensacola, Florida. Mm-hmm. We were going through school, and every once in a while, we'd show some sort of video. They'd grab some video from something, and so it was an F-14s. It was the perspective f over the left shoulder of the pilot of an F-14, and it, the whole video was about F-14s. So, so this is where the F-14 came from. This is why we developed it. This is why it's got mm -hmm. the cockpit, the, the canopy it does, all this bat squeeze. So they went to the whole thing. So I was like, yeah, 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 I love it. F-14s, badass. Then they show this guy in combat with this thing, and they're flying over California. There's a big, just like in Top Gun, where they go right. out and do that over the desert. So he's flying out there, and he's chasing like an F5, and you know a tiger shark or something like whatever they called it. And I mean, and this, and they're at it. So they stop the film, and they sh and they show where the camera's at, and they said this is all of what the pilot has to keep in his mind while he's chasing this this other bird. And then they go like this, and it in the first it was all you know it had the actual gauges like mm -hmm. needles and stuff. None of that shit was readable. None of it. The artificial horizon just spun. 
the guy spun. You, I couldn't tell. You, I could not tell what was up or down, left, right, going up, going down. And you could see the the G forces that that was pulling. And this F fourteen flat out outmaneuvered this F five as best it could. And he says that the, the narrator says that he this is everything the pilot has to keep in his mind while he's dogfighting. He's got about ninety seconds to do it all, and then he's done. And he's got to return back and get fuel. That's the way it works. And uh, I was just we we all watched that video and just rewound it, and watched it, rewound it, watched it. We all looked at each other and went, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, no damn way. And when I got out to the fleet and started working with with uh, aircraft. And not very often, but every once in a while we would interface with them on the radios because we would call them, control them a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, then you could hear those pilots, and you when they would pull like a like a three or four or or a seven G turn, you could hear them, you know, on the radio grunt and and deal with it. And oh, it was just it was like you know I was sitting in a ship drinking coffee, <laughs> nice and <laughs> going. God. Just, there goes that plane again. There goes, I can hear that guy in going, grunting as he's pulling G's, and I was just like, no, 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 man. No, they don't pay me enough for that. Now, now imagine the guy sitting behind the pilot that can't, no, yeah. can, can barely see because yeah. he can barely see around the seat to begin with, and then all of a sudden the plane goes right, left, yeah, exactly. up, left, right, right. He's so focused on his equipment that that's, that's you know, trying to try reading in the car uh, yeah. while your car is upside down and spinning. Yeah, yeah. rock yeah, I crawling. I was blown away. I was blown away by that. And now these new aircraft, these fifth and fourth and fifth generation, you know, where they've added stop back up. <laughs> I mean, it's like the 35s and the 22s are amazing aircraft. Yeah. So, well, we sure don't hit a tangent. Mm-hmm. But I, I am, that I'm stoked that you were able to do that. So they have a B2 there now. They do. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. So at. For the longest time, they did. I haven't been out there in quite yeah, me qu- quite some time, but yeah, they had a B two that was donated to them and purchased through that whole thing, and then wow. everything happened with Evergreen, and then the Spruce Goose, and mm-hmm. all became its own entity and all that kind of stuff okay. after. So Bell. I don't know anything about that. I just I, yeah. I knew there was some stuff happening, and I just kind of Dell made his money because of. Evergreen Aviations mm-hmm. and his dealings with the government mm-hmm. with Evergreen Aviations mm-hmm. on, on the green and <laughs> on, white planes, not on the, the black green and ones. White planes. Yeah, not the black ones. Oh, we'll let, we'll let the audience figure out what Evergreen Aviation did for a number of years and who they worked for. <laughs> it's another alphabet soup uh, agency. That they are. Uh, but, you know, when he passed away, then the whole foundation kind of had to be reworked and then okay. it became its own foundation. Got and it. so. But yeah, so then they started getting more donations because they were not associated with that anymore at that okay. time. So nice. Yep. Well, then that'll work out. I, I, the last thing I, last time I was out there, I saw the SR seventy one or A twelve, whichever one it is, and then uh, my jaw hit the floor because they showed the ECM chine, uh, which is a, a, a unit that you would put into the aircraft for them to do electronic intelligence work. Which they, is what I did in the military. So. They flew that aircraft there. No. Yes. Seriously. Yes, and then, <laughs> and then drove it across <sighs> the shut the highway down, drove it across the highway down the road, and brought it in there. I'd have paid money to watch that. You know what a really cool story is. Yeah. Everyone who was out there knows this story about this hangar. Okay. So across the way there is a fighter jet across yeah. the highway. Yeah, an F-15. And that was Del Smith's son's fighter jet, Michael, who passed away because of a drunk driving accident. Oh. 
So he made that a memorial because that was his plane. Mm-hmm. So he got that there. The building was built over on the other side of the road on the property. The spruce goose was supposed to line perfectly up on a certain plane with nose to nose with that plane. <laughs> it was off by four feet. The entire building got shifted when it was halfway constructed four feet to the right so that they could line up. No. Dead serious. Uh, you know that big step out on the front of yeah, the building? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they yeah. had that was all erected, no glass or anything, just steel. They had to move stuff over, pour some new pads, get rid of some concrete. Yeah, man, I need money. Yeah. Do you get any money? Uh, not that kind of money. <laughs> I mean, I remember working I like out. Money. I was working out there, and they had the super Damn. crane out there doing the superstructure beams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dell drove out there in Eagle One. That was his car. His Cadillac was called Eagle One, mm-hmm. and he came out there. And then they're like, "Oh, stop!" Because Dell wouldn't wear a hard hat. So it's you know we're lifting the superstructure today, but Dell wanted to look at the building. So stop, put the ding beam back on the ground. You know. <laughs> <laughs> So let him look around, and then the next day, you know, re-rig it, re-pick it back up. I but, like this guy already. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you just set us back by like four days, and it's like, I don't Hey, Mike here. I just want to do a quick shout out to all of our listeners. Now, listen, it's been a wonderful couple of months getting the show moving, and we have seen a ton of growth, right? You guys are doing your part. People are downloading. You're telling people that's super important to get this podcast on the map, Okay. We've got good lineup of folks coming in the studio. And the biggest thing that I want you to know is that I want to hear from you. You, you, the person listening to this, all right? You want to be a part of this show? You want to talk about tips and tricks? You want to talk about things that you're learning in the trade? You want to talk about how this has changed your life? You want to talk about stuff like that? Send me an email, okay? It's halfwattpod at gmail.com. And I'm interested in hearing about people who are in the union and people who are not in the union and people who are technicians and people who do alarm work, people who do camera access work, stuff like that. It doesn't just have to be fire alarm monkeys. It could be anybody. All right. So let's talk about this so that people can realize that this is a career that will change their life. I know we were supposed to talk about electrical and fire alarm related stuff, but I'm blown away by this conversation. So I'm in no hurry to get to it. it, I mean, like I said, my career with when I was working back then with Grinnell and the Mm -hmm. way I was brought up, it it was a very unique, blessed career. Oh my God, I I would be wide-eyed the whole damn time. You know, I got to do all, all the cool stuff, which even made it suck me in even more yeah. into the because i'm like ooh, what's the next cool thing right <laughs> well, what's the next cool thing you know and so that's when i got into all the pre-actions and the, all the chemical systems and the vesdas and all that yeah. kind of stuff so that, and so so did you uh so did you make a transition then from sprinkler into fire alarm or, or did so, you just say sprinkler well, I'm a journeyman sprinkler fitter by trade, mm-hmm. and then I have passed everything for, I started the apprenticeship for an LEA, okay. but then I got into my first class, started talking to him, and he's like, yeah, you may be a little overqualified for this with <laughs> you your experience, because <laughs> yeah. I already had my, my NICET 3 and fire alarm, and my NICET yeah. 4 was pending, yeah. so, and got talking to him, and so he helped me do all the paperwork and everything with the state to get approved to just go sit for the test, okay. and then I got all of that, and then I got busy and never took the time to actually go sit for the test to get my LEA, but I was like... 
I don't really need it. And then some other things happened in my life. And what happened in your life? Life itself happened for life. For, for quite some time, right? And, yeah. And then I found that I was only getting my LEA to try to prove to other people mm-hmm. that I could do it. That told me that I couldn't do it. So okay. I didn't really. I so had there no, was no reason. To I had no need for it. And yeah. then once I realized that, then it was more like, okay, well, I did it. I mean, I got approved to take the test, and so I mean, I, that was good enough for me, right? If you're not, but if you're not going to go out and twist wire, it's no reason to to. To, to just keep a license that you've got to renew. And you've already got a nice set two and three. I mean, and working on a four, so. Right. you got several nice sets. That's not just in fire uh, alarm. Yeah, I have five total nice sets yeah, under my a belt. Lot. <laughs> so, yes. So, um, what uh, what happened with, like, so how did you trans, you, you went into fire, you, I mean, you were a fitter, you went into suppression. Mm-hmm. You obviously work with Vesdas and you're familiar with the with the suppression side of the house. Hundred percent. What happened then? Where did you transition to? So then the whole talks that was in what two thousand and ten, and Tyco was looking into the whole buying Simplex Grinnell 10, mm-hmm. ten and eleven. Um, I had an opportunity to go start my own company at that time okay. as a service and intestine inspection provider. Okay. So I left Grinnell because of some other. St- family stuff and a bad divorce oh yeah i've had one of those <laughs> yeah it was it was bad my jerry springer called me it was a bad divorce okay let's go with that <laughs> and i'm not kidding uh anyway so i digress on that one we'll leave that off to another conversation yeah, no i i yeah the whiskey bar might get drank that day i understand okay yeah so yeah. Uh, but then i started my own company doing some stuff merged with a buddy of mine then the economy took a tank yeah, me too. I was in that. And then another one of my friends says, hey, we we want to start a business. All of our people just left. Mm-hmm. So I went to start work for Andy Schwartz at ProTech okay. in yeah. 2011 and was there and built his business, helped him build his business on the fire side of stuff. Mm-hmm. On that, Started off doing test inspections in the field, moved up into doing some sales, moved up to running the test inspection team, growing that, kind of getting more involved at this point into the fire alarm side of stuff, started mm-hmm. to work on that kind of stuff. Our NYSET 4 decided to leave, but we okay. still had a lot of fire alarm stuff to do. And by default, it was me. It was you. And so I kind of, yeah, I kind of grew into being the fire alarm guy at that time. So then yeah. I had to. We prefer the term fire alarm monkey. Oh, fire alarm monkey. I'm <laughs> sorry. My bad. <laughs> I'm still new. Remember, I yeah. come from the pipe side. So, you know, we, we had, we fire had, fire alarm a, bad. We, we, we had other terms for y'all. So we just, <laughs> keep sure that, <laughs> we just keep that off of the mic too. So, <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, yeah, I, just again, Right opportunities, growing mm-hmm. my career and moving on. Learned all the fire alarm stuff. Got my nice sets all figured out and kind of grew from there. Went up and kept growing. The business kept going. And then Andy ended up selling to ADT. So commercial. So that's how you got into ADT. That's how I got into ADT. So uh, ProTech was the second acquisition that ADT made to start building ADT commercial. So who else did they buy besides ProTech? Well... Or acquire. I guess that's their correct, the, the politically correct term is. Uh, acquiring. We were assimilated. Is that right? We gave you a lot of money and now you're us. Got it. Like that's how it works. Like the board. Yes. You yeah. are. But, but they just suck you in. So You will be assimilated. They don't give you any money. This is the curious city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, kind of like that. I mean, the acquisitions, it was like 64 companies with the biggest being Red Hawk Fire and Security. Right. And then the largest. Small little concern up in Seattle and 
and here and, and here, across yeah. the United States. I think it was a three hundred twenty million dollar purchase. Wow! Wow! Uh, yeah. So and then I, the, I'd never even heard of Red Hawk until I got up. And I was working for PSI, and I went to Seattle, and they said, yeah, Red Hawk's up here. And I'm like, well, what the hell's a Red Hawk? Yeah, Red Hawk, up there, Red Hawk was, so the Red Hawk Bothell office, mm -hmm. yeah. Jeremy Munson and Mike Cunningham ran that office up there, okay. and they were the number one notifier dealer on the West Coast at that wow, time, wow. back then. Wow. So, but yeah, um, where were we at in the merger? Oh, and then locally here, <laughs> they also bought... Uh, a company called Aronson Security Group. Yep. So from Portland and from up in Seattle. Got it. And that was quite a few. And of million. course, that's where Gage. And that's where Gage came from, and everything. Mor so it morphed into the whole. Yeah. So over a process of six years, mm -hmm. they bought a bunch of companies, yeah. and then decided, okay, now it's time to put you all together and make you ADT Commercial. So three years ago, we all got officially merged. Mm -hmm. ADT Commercial came about, and here we are today. A huge concern too. We're we're making waves in the industry across the boards with yeah. a lot of different things. Um, we have a very unique company and structure mm -hmm. where where our growth is our ability to just keep growing. So that that's our philosophy right now is just grow and grow. Well, and ADT and, is a name that is as old as Grinnell, honest to God. Older, it's, actually. Yeah, it's, it's been around a long time. Yeah, it is. So. I worked on ADT equipment you could kill a brother with. It was built like a brick crap house, man. It's right. unbelievable. Well, here come October 1st, you'll be hearing a lot of announcements about okay. what happened with the ADT commercial because we just got purchased for a very large sum of money. Oh, big timer. Private equity. Okay. And then now we're going to become a new company. So that'll be interesting and October I, 1st we, to, for that announcement. We don't know what the name is yet, though, right? No, but I'm really hoping for Baby Eagle Fire and Security. Baby <laughs> <laughs> Eagle. Just, just because it would be really fun. It would be. It would be fun. I, I know that there's several companies in that got uh, picked up in that besides... I mean... I, I mean... We also recently, last year, bought Safe Fire out mm -hmm. in uh, Vegas, which is the largest EST distributor down there in Vegas. They do probably 60 to 75% of the strip. Wow. On EST wow. systems. One company. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. They got that locked up. So if it's tight. not EST, it's Simplex. I mean, yep, but every time I go there, I, I, it's, I either see one of those two systems. I don't see any anything else. That is correct. So, yeah. But they do a lot of work down there on the strip. I mean, a lot. <laughs> That's crazy, man. So, Yeah, Western States is not Western States. They're, they're, uh, uh, they're state, statewide or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they're, they're a union company there. They're a union company. Yeah. There. Yeah, so. and, they're, and when I worked for Western, I knew that they had that other entity there because at that time, API owned them and they had all these sub, yep. you know, big, big pipe companies. They made a lot of money in the oil oil and gas industry you know in the, in the plain states moving pipe and stuff so, so we're just thing. fire alarm in texas i mean in, in sorry not in texas in texas, texas we're, we're everything in texas but in, nice. vegas, in vegas we are just fire alarm down there just because of the union situations yeah, and which, which stuff, is fine so. i mean stay out of the, the thing yeah. so big things are happening for you and now you're you've got this title that is unpronounceable the fire protection, fire protection operations 
development <laughs> manager for the West. For the West, is that like west of the Mississippi or west of Virginia? So we, we've broken uh, the, the state down into three sections: <laughs> West, Central, and East. So I cover. Let me see if I can get this right. So Montana, Wyoming, Utah, Idaho, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, New Mexico, California, and El Paso. Just, oh, just El Paso. Just El Paso. Just El Paso. Just, the rest just is a in, little part of Texas. Yes, just the rest of it's all part of the central. <laughs> so, and not San Antonio. That nope. would be wrong. Yep, just El Paso. So, mm. that's my territory now. That's a big chunk. Well, and in California, we have one. We have a San Diego office. Mm-hmm. We have an Orange office. We have an LA office. We have a Sacramento office and a San Francisco. Yeah, that's so, a lot of stuff. That's just. California, and then you go to Oregon. You got Beaverton and Eugene. And you go to up into Washington. You have multiple states with multiple. Oh, and Hawaii. I forgot Hawaii. Can't forget Hawaii. Nice. Yes, Hawaii. That is, is mine. that is good. That is good. So you and and you're moving all the time. I mean, you're constantly going. Every other week, I go visit an office and see what they're doing, how they're growing, what they need help with, if they have any large projects on the books for me Mm -hmm. to help review or to review their process of how to get to something. A lot of them are small companies that were put together with other companies. Mm -hmm. So we would have bought maybe two or three companies within an area and merged them all together. They may have been banking and fire and security, but Mm -hmm. now they're one. Now they're all under one roof. Now we got to make all of those guys play together and mesh and keep growing those individual businesses within one business unit. So my job is to just go out and seek the fireside and grow that into its next level. So, and so, but you're working on multiple, like you could have a group that deals with EST, a group that deals with Simplex or, or an auto call or what, like what brands do you represent? Or Notifier, just EST, FCI, Gamewell, Fahrenheit. And then off the shelf, where you know we're Potter, Silent Night, uh, Firelight, it, you know anything, anything. Oh, D- DMPs. Uh, we still have Radionics. We have Bosch. So yeah, yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Yes. So you have to keep track of who needs to go to what schools and 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 the distributorships and making sure that you're at, selling at, enough product to stay in. And the, CLSS, the, yes, with Honeywell. CLSS? Oh, that's a whole nother fun part of Honeywell. Really? It's, is that like a level of, yeah, like as being a, because in EST you had a strategic partner. No, no, no. This, no. Is, this is the how many accounts that you've put online and that kind of stuff with, with Honeywell. So there's a whole new thing with Honeywell going on right now. So that, no. that'll be a whole other topic for yeah, a day. Yeah, I'd, so. I'd love to bang my head against that that desk for an hour. They're trying to get into the integrator business more okay. as a distributor and integrator. Really? Yes. So they're offering services that we can sell, but it goes, we sell it to the customer, but it goes to them through the CLSS portal, which is not a bad thing because they're helping us grow business. Sure. It's just as a company, you have to be careful of, I want to see how to politically say this correctly yeah, without yeah. getting in trouble, we, right? Don't you, get yourself in trouble. Yeah. So I'll just table Otherwise that one. Otherwise, the we'll, title gets much shorter. Yeah. We'll table that one for now. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there's just a lot of things coming and, and growing. So it's nice. been pretty nice. It's a whole new world of having 30 plus people report to me to nobody reports to me and I don't have to wake up in the morning and say, okay, what has everyone got to do? Mm-hmm. And I'm waking up in the morning, I'm like, huh, what do I have to do today? But you are able to take your expertise and parlay it into helping grow organically yes. these companies and that's you're in a perfect position. Yeah, so that's basically my job in a nutshell is 
go talk to everyone, go do job walks, job reviews, bid reviews, uh, teach them go, no go meetings, teach mm -hmm. them the right way of doing proposals, making sure our exclusions are correct, teaching them the right types of language to put into a proposal. Mm -hmm. Just because you have a template, you can't use everything. Let's cut it down to what we need to do and what's actually good for the job. So, yeah. Wow. It's that's, it, that's pretty damn impressive. I mean, it's it technically it is exhausting when you go out of town yeah. for five days. Oh yeah, and, oh, yeah. and it's you you did you because you dive in, you go to that office and you're immersed within that office mm -hmm. and all the people and then you're like, okay, your brain doesn't shut off at night, so you're still working, mm -hmm. and then you get up in the morning, you go back and say, I got all these new ideas. Let's look at this. Let's work on this, and then the next day the same thing, new ideas again. Go work mm -hmm. on those, and then you're done. And then all those ideas have to work themselves out. So you give them a little bit of time mm -hmm. and you go home for a week. Then you go to another office and then you got to check back with that other office of all the training you just did. And so. Wow. Yeah. So you, you, but you do a lot of remote working. I mean, you, cause we just talked about that. Can we talk about your move? And yeah, that's fine. So you're going to move to, to bend. Yep. Which is awesome. Yes. And your wife's from there, which will help. Yep. And make her happy. And. And that makes can, me happy. Trust me, she's yeah. happy and me happy. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. I know how that. I know how that works. Uh -huh. um, how so, your horses? Yeah, shit. <laughs> God. Well, the youngest one's got the craps. I can tell you that. Okay, another topic for another day, folks. Oh, it's the worst. <sighs> uh, hey, costs are up, and but yeah, but it's it's a whole. Yeah, so uh, you've done the horse thing. I have. You, you, I your, have had many horses. And I'm good. Yeah, I have, I have four. horse. I have horsepower now. I yeah, horsepower. Hot rods would be. There's a time when I thought one horsepower would be enough, and now I'm rethinking that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. There's parts of me that that still dig it. But uh, yeah. let's see. What I trade my forty-seven five window Chevy pickup truck for a horse. Hmm. I can hear the gears whirring. No, that's not that. that Computer says no. I got a I got a fifty one right hand drive Bentley. I'm not trading that one for really? a horse either. So, so I'm going to take a wild guess <laughs> that all these names with your title have paid well. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not you're not hurting for for cash. So, kids, please pay attention. Right when you go up in the industry, it is beneficial I would when you dive into an industry like ours and mm -hmm. start from the bottom and build your way all the way through the industry as long as you stay true to yourself and true to the industry and one thing is always 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 can't stress this enough own up to your mistakes if you make a mistake mm -hmm. because that's going to get you further in this industry than anything nice if you're able to own up to a mistake and learn from it and say yes i did this then that that's going to show management and leadership that you're actually growing and trying to change. Mm, so you're not a BS artist. Yeah. So that's one of the things. That. And it's just, if you want to dive into the industry, then that's going to be your livelihood. Dive into it. Don't just be the guy who's out there pulling the wire for 57 years. There's guys that do it and they're great at it, mm -hmm. but they're still at that point. If you want to grow and to change and to have the opportunities to work remotely or do those kind of things or sure. be, you know, an RVP or a VP of a company, you need to invest in yourself and grow and move forward in that, in that directions. So that's, again, just be true to yourself and be honest with everyone around you. So, and so you're, so you've been in the industry, I think a little bit, probably a couple of years longer than I have. And you've been able to parlay your career up to this point. Mm-hmm. 
and you're happy with it, mm-hmm. right? It's paying the bills. It's you're satisfied with it. You're roughly the same age I am, probably a little bit younger than me, I would assume. Um, happy camper. So what would you tell the folks who listen to this besides what you just did? Like one of the things we, we want to do is we, we did an episode with a, a, a young lady who was a carpenter. And we, we called it trade stacking. Mm-hmm. So you're in the industry like I am and half of what you do, I do, you know, some of it, but the sprinkler work is entirely new. And we don't, we've never really had a, a true fitter on here. I mean, you probably, I'd say one of the first true fitters we've had. Uh, so if you were talking to that industry, you could see where you could start off as a fitter, but you're obviously you're standing upright. So you didn't fit pipe for 30 oh. years until your back broke. Right? I, I, I've had a knee replacement already. Oh, you have had. <laughs> oh, you've had parts <laughs> fail on you. Yeah. I, I oh, wax eloquent. How'd that yeah, work out for yeah. you? I had my knee replaced when I was 38. So, so wore out a little bit. Wore out a little bit. Also, yeah. stupidity of a lot of wakeboarding, a lot of snowboarding. So that probably has something to do with it too. But I still snowboard. You know, so yeah, yeah, and, and carrying pipe. So, and it's it's always on the one side. I always carried pipe on the one yep. side. But if there's the one thing I want to tell anybody that's coming up in the industry is, I've seen enough people come through the industry, and I've been managers of a lot of people in this industry, and I've tried to talk to a lot of different people in this industry. You really have to look at it. Don't chase the dollar meaning just because a company is going to offer you a dollar more than the company you're working for don't jump ship and run over there because you don't know what your opportunities are you really need to look and focus a dollar is not worth leaving a company where you're set vested got a career path got somewhere to go to the next steps Mm -hmm. to go be the lowest guy on the totem pole for a dollar that you don't even know what they're capital venture is at mm-hmm. the end game. Mm-hmm. So when you get set with a company and you get your groove and you find that you're happy and it's more like a family at work, stick it out and then it's going to pay off. Good. That so, is good advice. That's yeah. sage advice. Yeah. I mean, if you, I've seen too many people chase a dollar. I've seen people chase a dollar and then come back Yeah, I and they're to. like, I, have, I should have never left. I would have been making more money now if I would have stayed, but I needed that now money mm-hmm. well there's really no such thing as now money it's wants mm-hmm. it's not now money it's what you want is outweighing what you need uh, yeah it, the i i tell folks it's like a set of scales yep and if you're what you're doing for work and the amount of pay and benefits are good and the scales are in balance you should probably not alter them mm-hmm. you know and in my own world you know i, I did just that in my last my last gig the things were out of balance for me i just was just not not pleased with it wasn't the compensation i don't think I, I i don't think i could have been paid enough to really be happy i just needed distributed work i needed the my workload distributed like that's all i needed was was people to distribute this to like you, i couldn't you know i couldn't do anymore i couldn't I couldn't give any more and still come home take care of horses be a husband be you know be a uh, grandfather and a father i was just my brain was fried i just was done you know and i I went back to being a tech because i'm like you know i'm good at that i'll just go back and fix shit (laughs) I, i burned myself out and the people around me and my kids working 16 18 20 hours a day because that's what i thought i had to do yeah and that's what i thought i had to do for the money i was getting then i come to find out that all i was doing was making somebody else a lot of money 
So yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. And and happiness is not dollars. It is not. Happiness is how you feel inside. Your mm-hmm. I don't know if you can get religious on this show or not. But no, you can whatever. get religious. Get zen. So, yeah, you can do whatever so. you want. So, you know, happiness is how you feel within yourself and your aura and your relationship with God and family and people, friends. Mm-hmm. Those should be way over. I need another dollar. I, I don't disagree with that. And I, and I don't, you know, I cage it in my own world um, where I kind of a Buddhist type, kind of a Taoist philosophy in my own world. That's just me. And uh, it is it, the the life thing. So I, I left a company where I was seriously sitting in an office and driving to work every day and, you know, happy and doing a good job. And, and I love the people I was working with. I don't have any bone to pick with any of them um, to literally go ride a bicycle to work, to bike up the hill to OHSU and to work up there and to haul my equipment on my back and, you know, to put this physical strain on my body at 59 that I didn't know I, like I remember telling the CEO of PSI at my going away party, I'm going, I'm leaving a company to go do, to go physically like bike to work. And I said, it seems dumb, but I can't wait. Like I'm excited about it. And But when was the last time at PSI? Not Nothing mm-hmm. against PSI, no, a great I company. I've, I've known them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, when was the last time you were like, I'm excited I'm going to work like you were when you're thinking before you even got to your new job. Probably two years in, two and a half years in to a five-year run where where I was right, where things were manageable for me, right. where, where I felt like I had a handle on all the aspects of what was going on. But And you've probably experienced this when all the cards are laid out on the table and you've got all the right people in the right places doing the right thing business just booms and it just boomed it, it just it just skyrocketed i remember those and the and the customer because i was a, I'm a huge customer centric person so if i pick up a school district mm-hmm. and all my techs are out doing something and there's no there's no tech available and i'm and i can handle it then i will go handle it like like my client comes absolutely unequivocally over anything else right and so and the clients knew that and so i would routinely grab my tool bag and jump down the street and go handle a you know a school problem because half the time it was not fixing the problem half the time it's fixing the client yep let me get my eyes on it let me get my head wrapped around this let me see what's going on i've been a tech since i was 19 so it's not like i can't understand you know how the electrons are silence you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let me get you. Let me get you safed off, and then I can work on the rest of the problem. So, oftentimes, you know, I'm I'm out running running fires and putting fires out. Well, the higher you go in responsibility, the less you can go out and do that. And yes. so, when the bucket of people that you can send out to do that diminishes, and you can't go out there because your duties in the office are as high a priority as what's in the field, I had to make a choice. And the choice was my my clients or my structure, you know, of what, what has to, you know, because you can't, you can't be two places at once. And that was the breakdown with the point when I got to that point where I'm like, no, if, if I don't make the clients happy, no money comes in the door 
Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's the choices I had to keep making, and I made them all the way to the end. Uh, I probably against my better judgment, but I had clients that were, you know, almost in tears, going, "I can't believe you're leaving." I'm like, "I can't believe I, ca I can't stay. I just can't do this." As a matter of fact, my last job, I was, I was jerking wire in for a, a couple of portables, working with their electrician to get this job done before school started because it was imperative that they get coverage in these portables. And he was just like, dude, hang your shingle and we will hire you. Like we will hire you flat out, yep. like to come work here for us. Don't go away because we need you that bad. And I'm like, I can't, I just can't. I, I, I'm, I'm burned out. I, I literally had reached the end of my, my wits. Plus, working with my, in my own personal life, uh, teaching and and reaching out to students and and making sure that that they're getting all of the proper feeding and nutrition they need to get a, a, a grip on what this industry does to help produce people like you mm -hmm. and like me that was far more important I would rather not make any money and help these students and these kids and these and these not kids but these people just getting in the industry place their feet firmly on solid ground so that they can then reach that next ring. That was more important than anything else after that. And so even when we sat down like that at, at like performance numbers, I'm like, I don't give a shit. What I did will reflect in my performance numbers. Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't I don't give a damn how I gotta tweak this to make the higher You, you issue. don't care about the whip and the PNL and give how a, I don't give a all. damn about them. I hated those meetings. I don't give two shits about it. What matters if I'm doing my job, this stuff will follow. Mm -hmm. And I need these tools to do this job. And those tools couldn't couldn't come at a fast enough clip. And I went, oh, I can't I can't. I'm done. I gotta go I gotta go focus on what I care about, my core values. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's fine. It's actually kind of funny you said that. So I got a text message today from one of uh, the clients I had way back in the ProTech days and brought them over to ADT, and they've still been a continuous client, even though I've went up sure. the ladder. I've still kept in touch with quite a few of my clients because they're mm -hmm. still fire clients, yeah. so they're still part of my job in a way. And I actually got a really cool email, uh, text message today and goes, you know, I know that you're up in your higher echelon now, as she called it. And she goes, but I'm glad that you're still around because that's the only reason why we're still with your company is because mm -hmm. we still have you to rely on. Yeah. And I was like, I, I, I was actually, I, I, at first I only, I said, well, well, thank you very much. Cause I didn't know how to reply to it. Cause mm -hmm. I was like, it was kind of out of the blue on the whole thing. And then I got some backstory later on from what happened there today. And I was like, Honestly, I was just calling to check in because I was in town and I was in your, <laughs> I was in that office today. So I was checking on, they didn't have anything for me to do. So I was checking on some client relations, yeah. you know, because that's part of my job, it. right? And I stumbled into it and just happened. It was like, just by me doing that and having that connection again with the customer, like reassured them. Mm -hmm. So even though I've gone a whale away from all the customers and the hands-on and that kind of stuff and their direction, I still have a connection with those customers because of my, I guess you would say my values bringing up and being their yeah. guy at that time. So the industry follows you because it is way smaller than what anybody actually knows. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. It's very small. And so. names and people and reputations and the goods and the bads. I yep. certainly have had, you know, I've certainly made a, critical errors in judgment and that crap followed me too 
So. I've, I've hired some bad employees and had to fall on the sword and, you know, apologize yep. to my team and, you know, and then deal with the repercussions of who I hired because, right. you know, and it's just one of those things, right? It's, again, owning up your mistakes, moving on, mm -hmm. and just owning it and going with it. So, Well, you look like, I mean, you are a happy guy. You get a, you've got a smile on your face the whole time we've talked. We, I've never met you until, what? an hour ago I don't know how long have i been and here I would, and i would i would work for you you you've got your act together it's you've really got your shit together it's it's nice to see and it's surprising because you'd think that a company as big as adt is and with its reach the well, way it well, does so let's let's rephrase that so everyone associates not, mm -hmm. it's just a yeah. stigma right so it's adt so we are not ADT commercial so right. we are a separate entity of ADT so we mm -hmm. just do the commercial side of the business no residential no residential no, stuff, no we're yeah. not mixed in with all of the high volume and the, the what we call door knocking side of ADT as everyone knows right mm -hmm. they're a great group of guys but they're a totally different office their office is actually like three miles from our office so we're totally two different GMs two different sales two different categories of just everything just happen to have ADT we, we just title. happen to have the same <laughs> ADT commercial not ADT yeah big and brother like not little ADT brother commercial. big brother little brother Got and it. then now we're going to be baby eagle fire protection <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with it. I am so using it. I'm going with Do this it. as much as I can. Put it on your business card. I might have already done one of those. But you see how you see how that you you know the the I mean I've interviewed a, a couple of folks from from the company and and former people who worked for the original the ADT when it was still like P one. Yeah, like. Yeah, Gary Youngberg worked okay. for ADT. I mean, that's how he got his real big start in the business. So you know who Youngberg is? Mm -hmm. Gary is. So, so stuff like that. Um, but it it's just a nice, it feels good to me to know the the human aspect of everybody. Everybody I've talked to there is just absolutely been wonderful to talk to. You know, so it shows me that if I had to go jump into you know out of the out of the hill and into into something like that, there would be absolutely no qualms with with talking to your company and like seven others. You, you can know? get a job at ADT.com. You can get a job at ADT.com. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not leaving, Sam. So don't sweat it. But but the uh, I got an extra dollar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it just seems like like it like everybody I've talked to. Who's sat on this on this couch with me has, has really had their their act together, and of course they've all come from, you know, like like the, like you did. They all came up from the industry, and so it, it appears as though all the folks making the decisions uh, came didn't come out of college and pop into this industry and didn't know a damn thing about it. They all came up from the ground up, and they all know what the hell they're doing. That's the that's the appearance I get. So we, we we've made it a very big point. Mm -hmm to make sure that if it's a sprinkler business, sprinkler guys are running the sprinkler business. Fire alarm business, fire alarm technicians or old technicians are running the fire alarm business. We wanna make sure our experts are kept within our company and grown and then go to the next level of management and the next level of management. So that's why you see in our platform, all of our guys have, even our regional vice presidents, they were out in the field at one time. Our VP was a technician for P1 way back in the day. 
So, and it just worked his way through and so, got into Red Hawk and kind of went on from that. So it's just a matter of- I would scream that to several companies on the top of my head, scream that, 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 that taking the expertise from the field and advancing it up and tailoring what, you know, the, the pros and the cons with that, because mm-hmm. there can be some cons well, with that. Well, it, it's a learning curve to go from field to office. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everyone is fit to go from the field to the office. No, not agree. that they're not physically fit, but it's just a different mindset to mm-hmm. go from being out windshield time and on a job site to sitting behind a computer and looking at graphs and charts and organizing and figuring out what the next steps need to be. That's a different mindset, but there are a lot of really good technicians out there that can take that next step. Mm-hmm. You just have to train yourself to do it. Nice. Wow. So. I, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Would you come back? Sure. I uh, super appreciate you coming tonight. And no I problem. have about a whole bunch of other questions we didn't even get to. I think Tyler's been giving us the eye for like he's, 10 minutes. He's been giving me the stink eye. The think <laughs> I, would, I would still like to talk to you about about uh, suppression systems. I, we just, I just saw, and we'll, and we'll cut after this, but I just saw, I, I just saw my first deluge system in a building in a lobby of a building, open heads. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one. So before. a water mist system? No, regular or sprinklers. Just, but a, a deluge. Yeah, but a deluge. But hit electronically by, actuated yeah, deluge, and right? Hit, hit by one of the inspectors, and flooded in the lobby. I've never seen that before. Facing windows, mm-hmm. and I've just never so, seen that with open heads before inside a, the, a lobby of a building. I, I was. That's the first time I've ever seen that. Scary, because they tripped it by accident and right. flooded the building, and it was just like, how the hell does that happen? You know. Well, that that's a technician trying to do his job and probably knows exactly what he was supposed to be doing and did what he was exactly told to do, but wasn't aware of the other factors outside of that. So, I mean, there's a lot of different kit, you know, a lot of oh, different yeah. people. You can send someone out to go, hey, you got a wet system to inspect. Mm-hmm. They go out there and they find a wet and a dry and they're like, uh. Wait, so which one's which? Yeah, what's going right. On? So, but have you ever seen Daler's heads inside of a building? I have on glass protection, on, have, on okay. big glass walls yeah. that were protecting from, like on drive throughs of some banks. I've okay. seen that on the canopies inside and out. So inside and out. So yeah. that's not uncommon. It, it, it's actually, and we don't practice that very much anymore. We mm-hmm. have other stuff we can do. But now the new technology coming out, which is kind of replacing that kind of stuff, which we can get into another time, is water mist systems, yeah. high pressure atomization of the atomization w- with, water. This, with the nitrogen that isn't that a jaw dropper that's it's, a jaw dropper it's, it's amazing I'm I, uh, just I, now learning and taking all the classes yeah. and becoming the guy for the west on that we, so. I, I talked about that the one of the previous episodes where the water is actually like because it's atomized with nitrogen it's actually dry yeah. and it just is it just is the 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 and how fast you can reset the system yes oh it went off Roll new bottles of of nitrogen in, and fill up the tank, and you're good to go. Well, now they even have some that don't require nitrogen. They're using high pressure pumps. Really? Yeah. But just so it, and just air. Just water and high pressure pumps. They're actually pushing the water out through the pipes at a couple hundred psi, and when uh-huh. it hits the sprinkler head, it comes out as smaller orifices, so it atomizes and just a larger covers and it the does entire it right room. Right in there. Yeah. 
so whole other new technologies, which is so what I love. The future is bright. Oh the yeah, the future is bright across the board for for us. Well, it really is. We got to replace the FM two hundreds and the halons mm-hmm. and the Energen systems. And right now, everyone sees you know the AFFF foam. It's on the news every single day yep. for cancer and that kind of stuff. Yep. I mean, I've swam in that stuff. I was going to say you've been I, exposed I, to it. I mean, I literally I've been I've drank it. It's been down all over every part of me. I've been inside crawling in tanks to replace the bladders. So, you know, I'm like, okay, so now what do I got to do to yeah, make sure, no you kidding. know? So yeah. I just set up an appointment that's in like three months. So to look for the cancer? Just to go check. Yeah, just because, I, I mean, I had enough idea. exposure of it because that was what we did. We were the, the special hazard guys. So. Thanks for listening to the Half Watt Podcast. We always want to hear from you, and we encourage you to email us at halfwattpod at gmail.com with questions or even your own stories. Funny, crazy, or praiseworthy, we want to hear it all. You can follow us on Instagram at halfwattpod to stay up to date on our feed. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And share us with a friend, the best way to help us grow. The Half Watt Podcast is a production of Now Hear This Studios.